welcome to the North Human Podcast. The North Human Performance Podcast. Welcome to the North Human Podcast. I can't say Podcast. Welcome to the third episode of the podcast with me, Jody Warrington. So, today, I wanted to make this a solo session and I wanted to talk about nerves because this is a big thing. Well, it was a big thing in my life and a matter of fact, recently, I've rediscovered those nerves and it's been a good thing because I've been leaning into those nerves because I know... When I get on top of these nerves, it's that doorway to more. So, as a child, I was one of those childs, one of those childs, one of those children, (laughs) who, let's say for example, somebody said, right, let's see you can do the most press-ups. I would get an instant knot in my stomach. (sighs) Okay, right. Okay, I mean, my mind would go into autopilot. I had to win. I had to do the most press-ups, okay? Then there'd be somebody else, John or Chris, whoever, would be in the group, not bothered, and they'll do 62 press-ups, and they'll be relaxed about the situation, where me, I would go till I die. I would be this relentless lunatic, who had to win, and this was me, Uh, this was who I was, but that feeling I would get in my stomach was horrible, now, in situations like, let's say you can do the most press-ups, because it was an instant thing and we did it, I didn't have time to build up the nerves, so it was alright, but when I look at my journey as a cyclist when I was younger, because I spent like from the ages of like 13 to 18, I trained, I did everything. My life was focused and dedicated to the sport of cycling, and that's what I did. So I was somebody from a training perspective who I would sprint with people, would race up climbs, would do big long training rides, and I could hold me on with many people, no problem. But when it came to racing, this was a whole different level for me. And this is the way it'd go. The night before the race, I would do really weird rituals. Like, I'd go into my garden, and we had a basketball net in the back garden. And I'd say, if I land this shot the first time, I'm going to win tomorrow, right? (laughs) So I'd like 15 at this time. So I'd throw the basketball, and it'd hit the rim of the of the uh, basketball net and it and it bounce off. Ah oh, shit. Uh, right, if I get this in the second time, I'll win tomorrow. I mean, it'll go. And I'll do this weird ritual, right, yeah, where it might take me six shots. If I get it in now, I'll win. T- stupid, really stupid thing. But I used to do this before every race, like little weird rituals. So this was the first thing I did. The next thing, when the morning came, number one, I could not eat breakfast. I'd be knackered, I couldn't sleep the night before, but I couldn't eat breakfast. I literally could not get food into my stomach. I couldn't eat, number one. 
I'd go to the race, and my dad would, dad would be like, you need to eat, Joe, you need to eat, have a banana. Have a... I'm like, I don't want a banana. And I'd be like, snapping and arguing with my dad, because I didn't want a banana. I was just out of control. If you think of it now, with, with, with the preparation we put in with our athletes, like, it's crazy. But I, did, I didn't know any better. It's just the way I was, so I couldn't eat. And then I'd get to the race, and I would be an introvert. I didn't have the ability to speak to people, and people wouldn't think this about me, but I really was. Around family and friends and stuff, I'm the class clown, I'm the joker, I'm this person. But with people I didn't know, I was really quiet. Okay, I didn't have many friends me when I cycled, so I didn't engage with anybody. So I just used to like stay with my mum and dad around the car, and I wouldn't talk to anybody. But I'd be nervous. I'd be sick to the stomach. Oh, have you seen Cav's bike, Dad? Look at Cavendish's bike, or look at Bramia's bike. Oh, look, Adam Duggaby's got a new disc wheel, and this was what I would be like. Okay, and my dad's like, "Don't worry about that, Jody." And I used to be just this this nervous wreck. I wasn't feeding my mind the correct things. Then my dad would say, you need to eat, have a banana. I'll be arguing with my dad. Okay, and I'd have this this weird sort of, well, what you would say now, that anxiety. It was like anxiety uh, I was going through. And it was really difficult. I'd go to the toilet and I'd have a wee. And I'd come out of the toilet and I'd be like, I need a wee, I need another wee. And I'd be back and forward and back and forward and back and forward and back and forward to and from the toilet. And then it'd be like 10 minutes before we start, and my dad would be like, right, you need to start getting... And it was great, you know, in this way, you need to start getting your shoes on. And it kept me on time. Uh, but the moment that sort of 10 minutes happened, I would start to feel sick, okay? And I'd be like, I need a wee. Oh, oh the race is going to start, I need a wee. Well, quickly try and have a wee. And I'd be in a bush like... I can't we and then I'd be sick and then I'd get to the start line and I would be a drained mess I'd be drained mentally emotionally physically like my my nerves was not flying in formation I was a wreck and I'd do all right I'd get like I'd always, I'd always been in the top 10 just through perseverance but I lacked self-belief a massive amount of self-belief I lacked. And I remember when I was doing... It was like me and Geraint Thomas were always around... I was a little bit older than Geraint, but we were always around the same level, me and Geraint, and I would always come fifth or sixth. It used to be like Cavendish, Brammy, Duggleby. These were the ones. I mean, I was always around like like sixth place, um, you know, around all the people in the UK, where if I looked at that with... My riders now, I'm like, brilliant, look, you're in that top 10, you're consistently in the top 10, it'll be celebrated, it'll be wonderful, but I saw this as a massive failure, because for me, it was about winning, that's all it was about, it was about winning, and, but when I look back at it now, it was like, hang on a minute, Jody, you performed really well, and I remember my brother, he put a... A VHS tape onto a DVD from it, and I've lost this DVD, and I'm gutted. But it was of me racing in the Bruff or whatever it was called, three day against like Cavendish, Bram, all of them. All everybody was there, and I come sixth overall. 
And I was watching it, and I was watching myself race. And this is now from being a coach. I've probably been a coach for about eight years at this point. And I was watching myself race thinking, you're joking me. Look how I come out. Oh, my God, look how I've kicked out of that corner. And, like, God, I had that explosiveness. And, but I just lacked that self-belief. Where if I had the belief of Cavendish, the belief he had, it would have been different. But I didn't know that. I doubted myself, you know, it was horrible, it was a horrible, a horrible situation, and it was one I didn't know how to get myself out of, and it's one where I became trapped, massively trapped, and with anything, through repetition, it begins to carry conviction in terms of the way you think and feel about yourself, and this is what happened with me, it got to the point where I carried so much conviction that I didn't believe I could win anymore. And I, well, it was my body, the, that cocktail of chemicals and emotions which was created from my thoughts became this habitual thing. So, oh, racing tomorrow, quick Jody, go throw some balls in my basketball net. If I get this one in, because this is the thing, right? In that moment the day before, I'm going to win tomorrow, I'm going to win. And I was untouchable, and I'll do this stupid basketball uh, thing. And then, all of a sudden... I'd repeat the same process, couldn't eat my breakfast, I'd be nervous, I'd be arguing with my dad because I didn't want to eat a banana, and I'd be at the race, and then I'd want to have a million wheeze, and then I'd be sick, and then exactly the same, and I'd finish around the same athletes all the time, all the time, Um, and it was the strangest thing ever, anyway, we hit a period where I actually didn't race, so like, I mean, like, open races. There was a race around the local time trial course, which I used to smash up every Tuesday. I'd ride out with my dad, race it, smash it up, beat some real strong men, like, because I was relaxed, it was brilliant, and I I wasn't nervous about that, I enjoyed it. Um, So I was doing the Pillsworth race, and I I remember I beat Andrew Hill by 30 seconds. uh, Within, this was the week before the... Junior National 10, I think it was like 17, 18, and I beat Andrew by 32 seconds it was, Um, and then the day of that race I was so nervous, Andrew beat me by, I think he beat me by like a minute 40 or something, and come fifth, and I thought, I don't know, you can't look at it that way, but I thought, if I was relaxed, what could he have done in that race, and it eats me up a little bit, this type of stuff, but for Schoolboy National 10, this was the one where we didn't actually do any races for a while. We were just doing the local Pillsworth Tuesday time trial, which was great. I enjoyed that. So I just did that. And my dad put together a training program for me. And I did this training program for, I think it was about 12 weeks. So we trained for 12 weeks for the Schoolboy National 10. And we was going to the Schoolboy National 10. And it was interesting because it was later on. So I actually had breakfast um, this time around, which was fine. And we set off with plenty of time. And this is one thing that I realised. We we used to get to the race super early because this was something my dad did when he raced. But for me, that didn't work. Getting there too early just built up those nerves, which I only understand now from reflecting. But we was travelling to the race and we got stuck in traffic proper traffic and we were stuck okay shit 
my dad goes, I don't think we're going to make it. And I remember when he said, I don't think we're going to make it, this massive release. <sighs> oh, do you not think, Dad? I mean, I sort of believed we wasn't going to make it. We were stuck in traffic for ages, super late at this point. It was like, God, we was on the minutes. Uh, and my nerves went, and I was relaxed. And guess what I did? I ate a banana. I ate a banana. And that, for me, was just like, you would not see that. Uh, and I'm just chilled. Anyway, the traffic started to improve, and we started to move a little bit. The next thing, we was on it. And then my dad, I don't know how fast he was going, but anyway, we <laughs> We might make it. You better start getting dressed in the car. Right, okay. So, I'm getting dressed in the car. I'm getting it all on. I'm getting, I'm getting dressed. And we get to the HQ. And my dad's like, leg it in now and sign on. And I legged it in. And I signed my name. I was number 10. Sign on. Got my numbers. Got in the car. My mum was putting my numbers on my jersey in the car. And my dad was bombing it up to the start. And I got to the start about 30 seconds or something, before my start, and we got out, and my dad was putting my wheels on, and my mum was getting my arms into the skin suit, and I got there, literally, ten, like, ten seconds to go, or something, he said, oh, you, you're lucky, he said, and I was like, but I was like, yeah, man, come on, I was like, in a weird mindset, I've not gone for a million weeks, I've not even had a week, I've not been sick, none of that, I forgot about all that, because I changed that routine, I changed that pattern, there was a different, there was a different thing, and I set off, and to the, the, the listeners over the world, in the UK, we have restricted gears for certain age, ages, so I had restricted gears, and I remember going, and I was on it, and I was pushing, because the way I trained, we trained on these gears, and I could get the gear spinning, you see, I got to that point, we didn't have power meters or anything like this 22 years ago, but I got the gear spinning and I made sure I was here, aero, and I did it for the whole race. Just like I would in a training session or like I would at Pillsworth, I executed what I could do. And across the line, I remember somebody going, way, like shouting, and I looked at him and I thought, why, why did, it's like the timekeeper, I heard something that was weird. Anyway, we got back to the HQ and I think there was 120 people uh, in the race and I got back to the HQ number 10 and I did a time of 22 minutes and 9 seconds so I was a win I was winning up to now the 5s and the 10s are like the, the marked athletes they're the fastest ones so it was interesting so number 15 came in it was like a 24 something and then number 20 came in and like I was winning and then it was just sitting around watching and I was winning 30 came in still winning number 35 came in number 40 came in and like I was winning I was winning and I was winning and all of a sudden it was like 80 people have raced now and I'm still winning and my dad's like looks like you're gonna get a top 10 here Joe I'm like yeah that'd be good wouldn't it uh, and then Jesus you beat I can't remember who it was number 90 He's like, oh, geez, you beat Finger. And I beat him by like 22 seconds or something. I was like, wow. But that's like, could get a top five here, Jodie. Oh, and I'm getting those emotions. Now I can feel it. And I remember like, whoa, okay. 
And then number 90 came, and sorry, number 100 came, and I beat him, and 105 came, and I beat him, and 110 came. And my dad's like, Jody, you've got a medal. I was on the podium, and I couldn't believe it. And then it went, and 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 I won. I won. I did it. I won. I won. And I couldn't believe it. And I remember... Ah, I wish his name was in the, on the top of my head now. But he came up to me and he said, I can't believe you've done that. And like he was he was shocked and I was shocked. But deep down, it was like, I've done that type of performance in training and in local races loads of times. Loads of times. Loads of times. Now, I want to take you back to the Andrew Hill situation at the National Terminal. I think I was like 17 years old, 17, now 18, whatever it was. And I beat Andrew by 30 seconds on the Pills of Tuesday time trial. So I was a bit confident here. I thought, I wonder what I can do. And then Andrew came up to me whilst I was warming up and he was aggressive to me. And he says something down the lines of, I'm going to fucking batter you today or something like that and when I was younger I liked a bit of a fight I was, I was a little bit I was one of those type of people not like a, a bully or aggressive but like anything like that I'm like come on just the way I was uh, I suppose I still got that in me a little bit now but when he said it to me I was fuming right and my dad's like calm down Jody, calm down He's like, Jody can't. And I was like going, <laughs> warming up like a nutter on the bike. Uh, and we got to the race. And this was the first time I was ever filmed with a camera. Guy in a motorbike camera filmed me. And I levered it to the five mile point as hard as I could. And I got to that five mile point flying. I think I was on for like a, a 20 at this point, and this is what the blokes did when they won, I think the guy who won it, I can't remember what it was called, I think he did it in 20 minutes and one second or something, and I was like on his pacing strategy, um, and then I just blew up, and come, ninth or something, but that was a crazy situation, but I allowed my emotions get the better of me, in another way there, but it was really interesting, with, how I suffered with my nerves. Now, there's a saying which I say to my athletes, there's nothing wrong with butterflies as long as you can get them to fly in formation. It's when your butterflies don't fly in formation. This is the problem, okay? Because you can waste nervous energy. And I was the king at wasting nervous energy. Like, I never reached my potential as a cyclist. And that's why when I made the comeback a few years ago, and I was like, oh, I'm going to win the National 10, and I did all this stuff. When I was doing it, I had this realisation that I was just trying to, subconsciously this was, I was trying to just heal old scars because I was upset with myself about the past. Um, but when I made that decision, I was a daddy. I had two little girls and I was married and I was coaching and for me it it wasn't working um, like I really enjoyed spending the time with my children on the weekend and if anything 
what I've learned over the years is you can set goals, but as you step towards a goal, you change. You learn, you grow, you adapt, you develop, you change. And when you realise that this goal is no longer a goal because you look at the goal from a new perspective, a new lens. And for me, it was sort of the moment of, actually, Jodie, reflect from the past, look at the past, extract wisdom from that past, okay? Discard anything which didn't work and move forward. Now, for me, the biggest thing for me was that realisation of the inner child, that inner child, that Jodie Warrington who, come on, let's do it, like, that lust for life, that attitude of, I can do anything, you know, wanting to reach my potential, that's who you, that, that's it, and for me, once that aspect clicked with me, it was a beautiful feeling because, I actually begun to seek these uncomfortable situations. I wanted to make myself nervous. Like, it was interesting, right? I used to massively struggle to talk on the phone. I might actually tell my story one day on the podcast, but I couldn't even speak on the telephone, me. And people go, what, you? Doing all these videos and stuff. Listen... If you go back and look at my first videos, they are of oh, a torture. Sometimes they come up on my Facebook memories and I'm like, oh, God, and I can I, I come straight off them. They're horrible. Uh, when really, I, I should actually watch it and learn from it. And I actually am. I'm going I'm to watch, watch it and learn from it. I'm going to actually do that. Uh, but I now enter that place where I want to be nervous, and it's a weird feeling because nobody wants to be nervous. You don't want to be uncomfortable, but when I get to those points within my life, it's good. And my God, I knew videos was the way forward for me. I really did. And that took a lot of courage, a lot of perseverance. It took a lot of negativity, you know, because when you put content out there and you do videos, you're always sort of putting yourself in that limelight for people to try and pick holes in what you do. And people will do that. They'll look past all the good you do and they'll try and find these singular things. You've said that, that's not right. Oh God, you're an idiot, you like, you know. And I've had these attacks in the past. Um, but you need to take that journey. It's like there's a guest who's coming on my podcast and he's like, you're really brave doing the podcast, Jodie, because you open yourself up to criticism, but I'm not bothered about that anymore. It, that doesn't really bother me too much. For me, it's about uh, stepping into my story and being the biggest expression of myself and finding these moments within my life which make me uncomfortable because ultimately when you get on top of that and they become automatic and you're comfortable in that situation, you grow. And you step forward. And like me doing the podcast. Not these solo sessions. These are fine. But the interviews with guests. Super nervous before it. <sighs> like I need to control my breathing. Close my eyes. Big breath in. Pause. 
hour. I do this six times and I calm the circuits and I relax. And I do my affirmations and I control myself. I'm only talking to somebody on a podcast. But I went back through all those feelings. Uh, well, this is good. The lab. Super nervous with the lab. What if I get it wrong? What if I don't know what I'm doing? What happens if I post something on social media and a physiologist says, that's not right, Jodie, or, and I got nervous again. I'm my first two clients, I was super nervous. Like, struggling to sleep the night before, going to the lab, nervous, trying to put on a brave face, doing the testing, and all of a sudden, the third person came, and I wasn't as nervous with the third person, and the fourth person came, and I had a little bit, bit of a breakthrough with the way I was collecting the blood samples. Oh, yes. Then the fifth person came, and I loved it. Then the sixth person came, and I was flowing. And then the seventh person came, and it was like automatic. I wasn't even thinking. Well, obviously I was thinking, but I was just flowing. I was in this wonderful level of flow. And now I found myself in a position where I can't wait to do my 10th and my 15th and my 20th, my 50th and my 100th. I can't wait to do it. And I'm opening up my mind now in terms of doing other sports, footballers, mixed martial artists. Like I'm opening my mind up now to do, to entering different sports and testing different parts of people's physiology in different sports. And this is what you've got to do, though. And this is one of the biggest things I learned from looking back at my past. That inner child, Jodie. That inner child won the British Schoolboy National 10 Mile Time Trial Championships. That inner child was a fantastic athlete, but you allowed nerves to push that inner child into a corner. Learn from that, Jodie. You don't need to win the National 10 Mile Time Trial Championships. That's not the goal. I thought it was, but that's not the goal. You need to learn from the situation. How are you going to learn from that situation stepping forward? You know what I'm going to do? That inner child is going to come out. That Jody is going to come out, but he's going to be able to control his emotions. That Jody is going to be able to control his nerves. That Jody is going to look for opportunities to find places within his life which make him nervous so he can step forward and crush it and evolve and adapt. This is what I'm going to do. And that's why I wrote a thing a while ago when we was deep into COVID. And I've got it right above now. Who are you going to be when this is over? Who are you going to be when this is over? And it's interesting because my office roof leaked a little bit and the water's ran down over that. It's all a little bit blurred. Uh, I'll take a picture of it and put it on my social media. But it's a massive thing for me that it kept me accountable of who are you going to be when this is over? And it was a case of me stepping forward and evolving and progressing because I never want to make that same mistake again as I made when I was a child. And I know it's different when you was a child. That's where a good coach or a good mentor comes into play. And don't, don't get me wrong, my parents were wonderful, but they didn't have that skill set in terms of helping me in that way. They didn't have that. Like if somebody said to me, Jodie, where you place your thoughts, you place your attention. Jodie, when you think about something, you create a cocktail of chemicals within your body, either positive or negative. And if you habitually repeat that, your body will go into autopilot where it will actually just create those cocktails of chemicals on its own accord. And if somebody taught me this stuff 
and got me to do visualizations, not fucking throw a basketball in a basketball net. If I get this ball in, I'm going to win tomorrow. Oh, it didn't go in. If I get this ball in now, I'm going to win tomorrow. Oh, shit, it didn't go in. If I get this net in the ball, I'm going to... What the heck? You know what I mean? I, I, I didn't have a bloody clue. But what it meant was I didn't reach my full potential. Well, now it's a case of finding my inner child, understanding how to work with that inner child and stepping forward. And this is why I'm doing a podcast. This is why I'm doing the lab. And this is why I took a massive decision of letting transition cycle coaching go. Let Neo Pro cycle coaching go. Massive decisions, man, from me. Now we've got North, we've got this one singular brand, uh, doing the podcast, uh, reaching out to different sports, like, these are all things I'm doing now from my ability to reflect in terms of what I learned from me when I was a cyclist, because deep down it still does eat at me a little bit, but I will never make that same mistake again, and that's the key, it's only a failure if you don't learn from it. So if you're an individual now and you're struggling with your nerves and you're in this place and you can relate to what I'm saying, you need to find that help. You need to get the people around you who can help you with this part of the brain because if you can get your brain and your body into alignment where you create this level of flow and you can do what you do in training, in racing, your whole world will change, not only from a performance perspective in sport but a performance perspective in life your whole world will change i've had some very talented riders with a really poor mindset and we don't want to achieve anything we're not willing to even take on the information and i've had some people who come to me and you think yeah standard athlete you're a standard athlete you don't obviously tell them this though but my god they've got a good mindset and they win races, and they get consistent top 10s and podiums, and you're like, whoa, whoa, here we go. Um, so it's extremely important, but like I said, if you can resonate with this, find the correct people, create that correct environment to learn from, and don't make the mistakes I made, because I did make some big mistakes, but ultimately, I would not change a thing. I would not change one singular thing about my past because ultimately the man I am today is all down to who I was and what I've learned of being a cyclist from the age of 15 to 18. I've learned so much from that and I'm going to move forward and grow because of it. So yeah, nerves. There's nothing wrong with butterflies as long as you can get them to fly in formation. So yeah, that's it. Episode 3, done and dusted. Um, yeah, bang all the Monday. I'm going to go do some good, fun stuff now. Thank you for listening, everybody. And, yeah, reach out to us. If you feel anybody can benefit from this, give it a like. Give it a share. Let's get that reach growing. If anybody's got any questions, reach out to me. If anybody's stuck, reach out to me. We can help. So, yeah, have a wonderful, beautiful, powerful day. You've got this. You've got the power and you've got the control within you to live any life you want to live. You've just got to make that decision and get the right help to support you on that journey. Have a great day, everybody.